Greetings, I'm Emily Danielson, and welcome to Bible Idiots, the teaching home of my husband, Pastor Chris Danielson. Don't forget, the entire outreach ministry is now a part of Fresh Road Media, and if you like the messages and know anyone who may benefit, please share it to your world. Like always, to hear more or to donate, go to BibleIdiots.com. Today, Chris takes us to Luke chapter 24 and the Resurrection Sunday message, the most outstanding morning now from the main sanctuary at Fresh Encounter Church in Harlan, Iowa. Here's Chris. For those of you who are visiting, I do dress this sharp every single week. Yeah. (laughs) It's just different is all, but it's sharp. Some of the sharpest hoodies you're ever going to see. Flannel shirts straight from God. But no, this is uh, what I do every year. Once a year, put a tie on. I used to have to wear this stuff all the time when I was... I just feel like I should be closing a sale, you know? Question for need. Overcome the objection. Close the sale. No, it's all good. But then, turns out we're having Easter prom... Why did only half of you get that one? I don't know. (laughs) I'm excited about today. Today is my favorite day of the year. It's my Super Bowl, my Daytona 500. It's all of it wrapped in one. The topic, you know what the topic's going to be before you even start to write anything for this particular message on this particular day, because it's the greatest of all days. And the name of the message is the most outstanding morning ever. It's the most outstanding morning ever. And the scriptures are so deep. It's in all four of the Gospels. I had to narrow it down to something. So we decided to go with Luke 24, 1 through 12, and then jump down to 36 through 48. But let's stand together for the reading and honoring of God's word today on the most outstanding morning ever. I read in Jesus' name. Now, on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them to be an idle tale. And they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping, looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home, marveling at what had happened. Drop down to verse 36, same chapter. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is myself. Touch me and see, for the spirit does not have flesh 
and the bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, have you anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it, and he ate before them. And then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened the minds to understanding, then he opened their minds to understanding the scriptures and said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, that was a long run, but man, those words are powerful. Let them break through to your children in only ways that you can deliver. Let it be your words now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Be seated, please. The Bible has a lot to say about mornings. Our Savior prayed early in the morning. Joshua is pictured as a man who got up early in the morning. Abraham got up early the day he was going to take Isaac up the hill, right? Jacob awoke from a sleep and set up a pillar of stones in honor of God at Bethel. There's just incredible... Morning after morning after morning throughout the Bible. I say this because I'm not really a morning person. And I, <laughs> yeah, that's why doing a morning show for all those years was kind of funny, wasn't it? But I can't imagine a morning that was better, more fulfilled, greater in every way There's really nothing that can compare to the morning in the passage we're going to discuss today. And each one of us will have between 20 and 30,000 mornings in our lifetime. And I'm telling you right now that there will never be a morning in your life greater than the one we're looking at right now. Because it was a morning like none other. Jesus rose again. Jesus pulls the stinger out of death. He gives eternal lives to everybody. It is the most outstanding morning ever. And so I want to just take us through a handful of points and just point out a few things, just common sense. You know, the Easter message is the most simplest message for a pastor to prepare. There's four Gospels, tells the same story all with a little bit of different light. And when you just allow it to envelope you, you will see things that you might not have seen before. So that's what I want to take you through real quick over the next 20 minutes, 25 minutes. Point number one, it was a morning of huge reflections. It's a morning of huge reflection. It's the first day of the week. Jesus has died on the cross. The women come to the tomb. They want to prepare the final burial for the Lord. It started with Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea the evening before, if you look up in John 19, 38 through 42. So, Last week I talked to you about the darkness. I talked to you about the way the weekend was. So now it's Sunday morning. They're going to the tomb. And can you imagine the heaviness is still there? And that's what I want you to remember when we look about the reflections of these folks. They're they're in deep contemplation as to what's gone down. 
They're headed to the tomb of the Lord who they thought was the Messiah, and now he's dead. It said that he would throw off the yoke of bondage, and they were thinking it was the Roman government, but he was talking about the, the yoke of sin. So they had their whole future, everything that these people were about, men, women, all of them, was based on that this guy was the Messiah, and now he, he gone. He's dead. And so I, I tried to take a part of my Passion Week every year and just try to reflect on the sadness of the disciples and the grief that they must have had. Even Paul spoke about it in 1 Corinthians 15, 12 through 19. He talks about the fact that if Jesus is still dead, then we all have reasons to grieve. If Jesus is dead, then we're all headed to hell and none of us has any hope beyond this life. And the disciples must have had that same feeling. And it must have been the most miserable hours of their life. Point number two, it was a morning of huge revelations. In the midst of the sadness of that morning, God the Father took great pains to really touch and talk to the needs of the hearts of his people, and he does that even 2,000 years later. Aren't you glad that the Lord cares about you when you hurt? So let's look at what he did. He moved in several mighty ways to simply encourage the hearts of the sadness of the disciples and the believing women of that, that era, and it's documented in the four Gospels. Yeah, I, I got eight things for you. He rolled away the stone from the tomb, not to let Jesus out, but to allow the Lord's followers in. He sent an angelic messenger with the good news that Jesus was alive from the dead. That's, that's in Matthew 28 and Mark 16. He had a word of encouragement for, peep, for Peter. Remember, last time they saw each other, what was Peter doing? He was denying him. Denying him three times before the rooster crowed. And by the way, in Mark 16, 7, it says, go tell the disciples and Peter. I look like that as a double smackdown of love. Don't let, Peter, don't let Peter be discouraged. Let him know I still love him too. Then he met Mary Magdalene outside the tomb in John 20, Mark 16, Luke 7, and 1 John 4, 9. All talks about how a great love begets great love. Mary Magdalene and Jesus had this great love together after he healed her. Think about that. As you greatly love Jesus in this season of your life, how much more greatly will his love be reciprocated towards you? And then he left a message for his followers inside the tomb. Has anybody ever told you what that was? See, inside the tomb was not a scene of chaos. There was chaos everywhere else going on at this time, but not inside that tomb. It was a, it was a serenity and an order. When they looked inside the tomb, that napkin that had been wrapped around his face, it says it was folded and set where his head was. Do you know what that means? It's like a dinner party. When you were at a dinner party in ancient times, if you were going to get up from your spot, there was a way that you would fold your napkin to tell the people that you were coming back. A sign in the tomb on Resurrection Sunday when the ladies are looking in, when Peter finally gets there and looks in, when John gets there and looks in, is a napkin folded from his face that told revealed himself to two disciples as they traveled. That scene is so incredible because... It talks about how could you not know what's been going on in Jerusalem the last two or three days. God darkened the sun for three hours and tore the veil in 
in two from top to bottom. There was earthquakes. The rocks were split. Everybody's saying, surely this was the Son of God. And now he's alive. He meets with his disciples that evening to show them all that he was alive. That's in John 20, 19 through 25. And then a week later, just to give Thomas some assurance... You don't think that he'll pick you out of the crowd to come and bless you and to love you and to help you? Of course he will. He even appeared a week later just to give Thomas the assurance that he was, in fact, alive. Now, there's tons of other things that took place on that resurrection morning and marked it as a great day for us. But the resurrection means that our lives will be permanently forever changed. It means that we can be alive today and have a hope for tomorrow. That's why we're here, you know. I, you know, I, I get tired of some of these people. Religion's just a crutch for people who can't help themselves. Yeah, of course. You can't help yourself into heaven. You can't help yourself to cleanse yourself of your sins, nor can I. Jesus gives that to us for free. That's why we come and celebrate. That's why we come together and have fellowship, because Jesus has changed us from the inside out. Spiritual formation, sanctification starts happening to those who have been justified. What does justified mean? Justified means I recognize I'm a sinner, I can't save myself, so I transfer trust to Jesus Christ, who had victory over death, hell, and the grave, and we talk about it and celebrate it today. Thank God for the proof that Jesus is alive. There's so much, even extra-biblical writings. Anybody who does any kind of honest literature, historical research, cannot do anything but come away with the fact that the Bible is, in fact, God's Word, which it says it is, which it claims it is over 1,500 times, or it's the most deceptive thing ever written in the history of mankind. And it all comes down to this one issue. Did Jesus, in fact, raise from the dead? I believe that he did. In fact, I know that he did because he lives within my heart. There's that old song, I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living whatever men may say. I see his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer. And just the time I need him, he's always near. You guys know the next word? He lives he lives. Christ Jesus lives today. And then here's, here's the line. Here's the hook. Here's the, here's the big show-stopping number right here. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives. He lives. Salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. That's right. <laughs> I wish I had a mic I could drop right now. <laughs> Point number three, we got reflections, we got revelations. It was a morning of huge realizations. While the disciples are cowering in the upper room, and I say rightfully so, okay, they're, they're, they're fearing for their lives. They think that what happened you know, to Jesus is probably happening to them any day. They're just waiting for the door to kick open and the Romans to drag them off. And then this miraculous thing happens where Jesus is in their presence, the one who had died just three days before is now standing right there with him. He shows him the nail prints in his hands, which is actually his wrist, by the way. 
offers to let them touch his wounds. And then he does something that I think is really cool. Don't miss this. He eats with them. I've always told you that there's a blessing in breaking bread together. And this morning's, well, breaking egg bakes, donuts, I don't know, seven other things I ate. See, as Jesus is eating with them, he's showing them that, yes, I am alive. It is me. They are now convinced, but they're now also shocked. The statement in verse 41 says, And while they believed not for joy and marveled, Do you know what that means? That means that they're literally saying to themselves in the most honest way, this is too good to be true. This is too good to be true. They were beside themselves with joy and they couldn't believe what they were seeing. It was an excitement of the moments for the disciples of the Lord and it could be the same excitement for us as we look at the new life that we have standing in the presence of the Messiah. See, you need to understand that Jesus is alive and Jesus is real. And he is our only hope of defeating death and hell in the grave. And we need to grasp that truth today. Look, it's not about some freaked out bunny dropping eggs. You know, the bunny didn't die on the cross. And I will say this, there's always a counterfeit, there's always a distraction. I am pro-Santa and pro-Easter bunny. You want to know why? Because I just think that in my culture, when the way I was growing up, That's how kids got candy and got presents, right? And so I believe this. I believe that the power of the resurrection is so great that it points back to the sacrifice on the cross that is so great that points back to the baby being born in Bethlehem in the manger is so great that it will definitely dwarf all these other little things that pop up. Enjoy the Easter bunny. Enjoy Santa. Do whatever you want to do. And when you have those friends at work saying, it's just a pagan holiday. You're just taking a pagan holiday and making it into a... You know, as you're in your mind telling them, shut up, just shut up. But you won't say it out loud because you don't want to burn your Christian testimony. You say, I forgive you. I love you. But here's the thing. That's not even real. You take all the winter solstice stuff. You take Constantine with the swing of the pen. You take the Council of Nicaea. You take all of these things, and it still comes back to it's the power of the cross that is the power of the resurrection, which goes back to Christmas. The Druids and Easter Bunny and Santa Claus, who cares? This is such a bigger deal that you can say whatever you want, and it doesn't matter. Oh, Easter comes from Ishtar. No, Easter comes from a word that means the, word, the month of April, but whatever. The point is, counterfeits will come, but the real one is the real one, and if you know him and you have him, you have everything. Jesus is alive. This day is about Jesus. He was buried three days later. He kicked open the back door of the tomb and forever made a way for you and me to have eternal life by merely trusting him as our Savior. That is so awesome. So then every Easter, the question must be asked, who is Jesus to you? Is he a story on a book? See, is he somebody that uh, people talk about? Or is he real in your heart? Just knowing about Jesus and what he did will not save your soul. You have to know him in a personal and real way before you can be saved from your sins. So who is Jesus to you today? You know, 
In Matthew 16, Jesus actually asked his disciples that question. He looked at him. He said, straight up, who do people say that I am? Oh, some say you're this, some say you're Elijah, whatever. Well, who do you say I am? What are you going to do when Jesus looks at you on Judgment Day and says, who do you say that I am? What did you do when you had the opportunity? And that's when Peter busted out, you are the Christ. And Jesus said, you are right. And even God had to tell you that. What about Pilate in Matthew 17? What shall I do then with Jesus, which is the Christ? Sorry, folks, that is the question for everybody. What is your answer to that question? So you got reflections, you got revelations, you got realizations. And let me tell you something, point number four today, huge spiritual results. It's a morning of huge spiritual results. Jesus began to tell his disciples of God's plan to save the world. They'd been called by God the Father to be the witness of what they were then going to spread the news of, that this great spiritual victory had been won when Jesus rose from the dead. Now, there was a bunch of stuff that was defeated when Jesus was raised from the dead. There was a bunch of stuff. Death was defeated. Hell was defeated. The grave was defeated. Sin was defeated. And Satan was defeated. Let's talk about each one of them real quick. Death was defeated. Imagine the struggle that ensued early that morning when death had to give in to the prince of life. Jesus entered into death's domain and left it helpless. Isn't that awesome? For the child of God, death is merely a doorway from the land of sorrow to the heavenly land of splendor. I love that phrase. Every tear shall be wiped from the eyes, and the saints of God will live forever in the glorious presence of our exalted Savior. And hell is defeated. I'm not supposed to talk about hell anymore, right? It's not a way to grow a church in America, but... I don't know if I'm trying to grow an American church. I think I'd rather be a part of the kingdom that defeats hell. When Jesus entered death for mankind, he descended into a place called Hades, a place called hell. He went to the paradise portion of that land of the dead in Luke 16, 19 through 31. This is the same place that redeemed the thief on the cross. Jesus went and proclaimed liberty to those who had died looking for his coming by faith. That's the deal. Jesus is looking for those who by faith want to trust him for his victory over death and hell. The grave was defeated. Another enemy that died was the day was the grave. And for those of us who have watched people go on before us, is it not more comforting in the depth of our soul when we know that a sold out believer has been called home rather than a friend or family member taken from us too soon? It's a real thing. See, I think sometimes we get the wrong perspective when it comes to the grave. Grave is nothing but a hole in the ground for the saint that holds their carcass until God the Father resurrects them on that glorious day. It's been said that instead of weeping at the side of a departed saint, we ought to shout. We ought to shout ourselves hoarse because they have outstripped us and already home with Jesus in glory. Ecclesiastes 7.1 says, A good name is better than precious ointment in the day of death, better than the day of one's birth. Sin is defeated. That's the one that always gets me. Why is there still sin? Why do I still sin? Why do we still have sin around, you know, what good Christian people? 
It's still here, but it's defeated. It's defeated. Truth is, sin had been taken care of three days earlier at the cross, but the resurrection of Christ is like the Father's rubber stamp. It's his amen to the sacrifice of the Son on the cross. But what it did is it gave us a path. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25 says it. I don't have it in my notes. I think I got it on the screen for you there. Yeah. Consequently, he is able to save the uttermost, those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. He always lives to make intercession for them. That's what he's doing for you and for me. Why would we not want to come and celebrate every week? Every week. Satan's defeated. The devil, the dragon, the accuser, the old serpent, whatever name you want to call him. He's the enemy of God and of the people of God, and he doesn't take a day off, and he wants your complete destruction. He tried every way that he could to short-circuit Christ's plan to go to the cross and then have victory over death, hell, and the grave. Remember the babies in Bethlehem? Or how about the temptation? How about the opposition in the Garden of Gethsemane? Do you you see how it ties all together? Resurrection Sunday is a day that can just be such a pivot point for so many people in their spiritual walk. If you just see that Jesus is calling you to a deeper depth right now. Satan is done. Sin is defeated. The grave is defeated. Death is defeated. And Jesus endured every temptation, and he weathered the storm of the cross. And when he yelled, it is finished, it crumbled the foundations of Satan's kingdom. Three days later, Jesus arose from the dead. Satan's destruction is total. Power is broken. And Jesus Christ is forever victorious. Consider what the Bible says about the devil's future. I just want to look at it real quick, and then we're going to bring it home. In Revelation 20... I just shortened it up there, 1 through 3, and then we jumped to 7 through 10. It says, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. And he seized the dragon, that ancient serpent who was the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years and threw him into the pit and shut it and sealed it over him so that he might not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years ended. And after that, he must be released a little while. Verse 7 And when the thousand years are ended, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out and deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. Their number is like the sea of the sand of the sea. And they marched up over the broad plains of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. And fire came down from heaven and consumed them. And the devil who has deceived was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. That's one option. The other option is eternal life in Christ. It comes with a humbling. If you think you're something, it ain't for you. It comes with a humbling where you realize that you are a sinful person. Well, how do you define sin, Chris? Ten Commandments. Have you ever lied? Even one little lie? You can't stand in front of a holy God. Sorry. Do not steal. You ever stolen anything? Paper clips? Anything? 
I can see the paper kip larceny in some of your hearts right now. <laughs> the Ten Commandments. See, do you understand it? Because Jesus lives, you and I can be saved by the grace of God. Because he lives, we can have our sins washed away forever. Because he lives, we can go to heaven when we leave this world. Because he lives, the grave has no power over those who believe. Because he lives, eternal life is our present possession. It's current. It's today. It's now. It's happening. Because he lives, one day we too will live with him in that heavenly city. The big party in the new Jerusalem. That's what this is about. That's why we're here. We're not here to become good little boys and girls. We're come because we're dead people and now we're alive. Because we did some really cool stuff and we're... No, because of what Jesus did with his victory over death, hell, and the grave. He gives us life. We can't explain it, but we try. And we want you to join us, and you're welcome here. Because he lives, there is hope to take another step in this world. Because he lives, you will never walk alone. Because he lives, my sins have been removed as far as the east is from the west. And here's the dealio. This is number one. This is the biggest deal in the whole world. Next time you have any racist thought. The next time you have any thought that you might be better than somebody else, or that somebody else might be better than you, because that's also a lie, I want you to remember that there are only two kinds of people in this world. There's only two, those with their names written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and those whose names are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Because Jesus Christ lives, my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And that's all that matters. God is my Father. Sin has no more dominion because I live forever. I'm saved. Does that mean that I'm going to be the good little two-shoes boy? No. I struggle. You struggle. We all struggle. That's why we come and have fellowship together. That's why we confess your sins to one another and serve the Lord. Did you know what will happen if you die without him? Do you realize there's no other way to heaven than through the Lord Jesus Christ? <gasps> You're saying you're exclusive? No. Jesus did, and I'm just quoting him. <laughs> his death was for you. His resurrection was for you. And his death won't mean anything to you unless you bow before him in repentance and humility and confess your sins unto him. Did you know that you can do that very thing today? Did you know that you could do that very thing today and we're going to do a baptism service at the end of this month and I'd love to have you join us? Did you know that you can bow before the risen Savior today and worship him in spirit and truth? Did you know that you can thank him for his grace, his love, and the fact that he is alive? Today would be a wonderful day to come before the Lord and renew your commitment to him if you've gone soft this is a time when we need people to be up on the wheel. In, in racing, we used to call it driving with your hair on fire. You're down a lap, time to get it back. That means you might have to push, you might have to shove, you might have to trade some paint in the name of the Lord. <laughs> Now's not a time for meekness. Now's a time to boldly go before the Lord and say, Jesus, I need you more now than I ever have before for such a time as this. 
And what a day, if you've never met Jesus Christ, what a day to be introduced to him and come and give him all of your sins and he gives you all of his righteousness and you can't earn a single ounce of it. It's pretty cool. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this Resurrection Sunday. Thank you for life eternal. Thank you because you live, we can face tomorrow. Because you live, all fear is gone. Lord Jesus, we love you and thank you and praise you. Please be a blessing this Easter Sunday to each and every person here. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the teaching ministry of my husband, Chris Danielson. BibleIdiots.com is still the website for this show, but we have grown. The new parent ministry is found at FreshRoadMedia.com. We would love to have you join us on our sister broadcast, a talk show that walks out Christian living and Bible apologetics entitled No Apology with Emily and Chris, a weekly download from FreshRoadMedia.com. Both broadcasts are listener supported and we would love to have you join us as the Lord leads. I'm Emily Danielson and thank you so much for spending some time with us today and may you see the blessings of the Lord as you go and serve your King.